Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each week I bring you a dynamic guest and dynamic topic. And tonight we have a fabulous guest. Her name is Benita Tyler, and she is coming to us all the way from Pocomo, Indiana. And our topic is going to talk, we're going to talk about dysfunction can plague your life, but there are tools to help you break free. Free. Uh, let me give you a little uh, background on her. She enjoys being a life coach. She began influencing her peers and building a circle of influence at a very young age. Her motivational spirit is best served when, identif- when it- identifying others. Some people are born with an innate characteristic. Charismatic, charismatic. Oh boy, that can really messed up that word. Charismatic disposition, and she is one of them. She has 50 years of experience in the subject of life's hard knocks. While enduring the storms of life, she has rescued fallen angels along the way. Her life's lessons have exposed her some of the disheartening experiences that, through her positive teaching, can transform a culture. Her educational accolades include an associate degree of a science degree in business, a bachelor of science degree in management, and a graduate certificate in uh, human resources. She um, she also has a brand new book entitled "Addicted to Experience," while dealing with the five most significant males in her life. Not only is she an author of this very inspirational inspirational book. She is also a motivational speaker in the area of personal relationships. The issues she touches on as well are becoming a widow at the age of 29, multiple suicide attempts, and depression as there were things she experienced that nearly destroyed her. But God never left her side. He delivered her. So let's welcome our wonderful guest tonight, Benita Tyler. Welcome. Her here. She's the CEO of Beloved Daffodils Inspiration, and I love that. Welcome, uh, Benita. It's so wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much, Ravi, for having me on the show tonight. And uh, I, w- I love the topic of your book. Why did you decide to write a book like this? Well, um, I was going through a lot of changes and throughout the period of my life, And I wanted to try to find a vehicle that would help me to be able to release some of the the pain and agony that I was going through and and able, in order for me to be able to break free. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to start writing this book, and this book was really a tool that helped me, and I believe that it could help others as well. And so who did did you really write the book for, people that were... Uh, going through some of the things like you or, um, you know, how did you know who your market for this book would be? Well, initially, I believe that I wanted to help women. Um, That is my first goal. But then as I wrote the book and um, a lot of men started reading the book as well, I realized that the book was actually bigger than just a woman's book because, after all, we are all in some way addicted to dysfunction. We all have dysfunction in our lives. We're all pretty much born with um, certain propensities that, you know, come along and bring that dysfunction in us. And uh, some of us don't want to admit it, but uh, we do have dysfunction. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. So what is your book about? Well, I decided to just pinpoint some areas that I was having some concerns with and so the things that I struggle with the most. And so I kind of took the book and started at the beginning of my life and just kind of brought it all the way up to um, the point where I am now. And I focused on the men that were part of my life. And each of them, which were five, came to teach me specific lessons that I wanted to share because I believe that these are some of the things that a lot of people struggle with. The lessons that I wanted to share was the first one was disappointment. And the reason why I focused on that, because coming up, I really didn't realize that disappointment was the force that caused me to have a lot of problems in my life. And that began with my father. My father came in my life and brought me disappointment from being an absent parent. And the next one is choices is the next lesson. And choices was a very powerful lesson because my mother was a single parent and she was involved in a relationship with a man who, at all accounts, seemed to be a great choice because he was able to provide for her materialistically. But as she stayed in this relationship, it was she discovered that it really was not a great relationship for her. It wasn't a good choice. And because she made this choice, she um, became suicidal, and uh, we almost lost her at one point, and um, those feelings of suicidal suicidal thoughts and, and acting out on those things kind of um, transpired into me and my sister. You know, we got some of that dysfunction, you know, as we grew older. That's how we ended up, you know, handling things. And then the next one that I talked about was forgiveness. And I think that's something that we all struggle with is forgiveness. And so I wanted to touch on that, and that just um, involves a young man who I had a relationship with um, at an early age. It was my first love, and we had a child that we decided not to keep. And so over a lifetime, we had to learn uh, forgiveness. Each of us had to learn forgiveness for our part in that. And then I talk about awareness, and the lesson on awareness is in regards to my second husband, and when I talk about um, the um, awareness part, I'm talking about, you know, just being aware. Actually, it was my first husband, excuse me. When I first got married, I was 19 years old, and, um, you know, I wanted to be married so bad, as some, some women do, and, you know, I just jumped head head first into the relationship and we were both so young and we went through a lot of things and he ended up being murdered and um yeah and through that relationship I mean I went through being homeless being depressed um just a lot of things and then um the last chapter um talks about acceptance and and Robbie that's pretty big as well because a lot of times we may be we may get married to someone in my case I married my husband I had my three kids from my first marriage, and when I married my second husband, he had five kids, so all of a sudden we're trying to put together a blended family and trying to find acceptance for one another, acceptance for our kids, and acceptance for the outside forces that plagued our marriage. So a lot of that just really took me through a lot of highs and lows throughout my life. You know, what's wonderful is that, like you said, you you took your own experiences and wrote the book so that when people are reading it, 
it's not like, well, this is what she said it should be. This is actually what it was and how you got through it. And, you know, it wasn't always easy, but you had to find the way. So from that, they can absolutely. What are some of the things they can learn from the book? Well, I think the biggest takeaway in the book is if you are a spiritual person and you are going through a lot of things, you can look back and see that, you know, there's people along the way that, you know, God has placed in our lives to help us get through um, periods of time. Um, for instance, um, he, he himself, you know, the almighty God, he never leaves or forsakes us. And no matter how bad your life is and the things that you're going through, he's always there for you. And he also puts angels in your life, you know, whether that be people like yourself who you've been a great inspiration to me as well, and other authors, other, you know, women's books that I've read, like Joyce Myers and, and people like that. So the biggest takeaway is, is that when you're going through some pretty hard times, you're you're never alone. There's always someone that God has placed in your life to, to help you along the way. I totally believe, though, that what was the, was there a turning point in your life when you knew you had to do something different? Yes, and it took a little longer for me. It took until I was actually 50 years old for me to to say, you know, there's really something wrong here in the way that I'm handling things. You know, it's always easier to, to focus on what other people have done to us, but sometimes we don't focus on our own involvement and our own lack of taking care of ourselves. And um, I noticed that I was very broken, and most of it was the result of lack of self-care on my behalf, you know, me putting everybody ahead of my own needs. And um, that did nearly destroy me. And so I had to learn, you know, that I'm I'm important, I'm beautiful, I'm someone who God wants to use, and, um, you know, I need to try to work on me so that I can serve him. Yeah, and I think that's something hard for women to do. I mean, it was something hard for me to learn because I'm always trying to help everybody else. But the, the, the bottom line is if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be around to help the others that we want to help. So that's really great advice. What what Absolutely. advice can you give, you know, people about forgiveness? Because, uh, you know, I remember in my own family, my former um, mother-in-law and father-in-law lived across the street from a family member, and my father-in-law had a fight with the gentleman, and for 30 years they never spoke. And then... And then my, the day my father-in-law dropped dead in the in the driveway, the guy runs over and he's helping my mother-in-law, and then he became into the family again. And yet I think of, wow, 30 years, they didn't speak to each other. What a sad thing. Yeah, unforgiveness can be something that can really plague you. And, you know, God really wants us to be forgivers of people. And it's not really for the person because there are people that, you know, do commit some horrible offenses against us, and it is kind of hard to, to get there. But the forgiveness part is for you as an individual. If you are able to let go and and forget, or not even, I mean, you don't really forget, but learn to forgive, it helps you to move forward in your life because when you are always holding on to offenses and things of that nature, um, God can't use you. He can't move you forward in your life. He can't help you to reach the purpose that he's put you on the earth for when you are, you know, always looking in the past and always, you know, dredging up, you know, what other people have done for you. 
And I know that I am a person who had to learn that the hard way because I tend to hold on to unforgiveness for a long time. And I feel better, you know, even writing the book um, caused me to to realize that some people in my life just needed just to be forgave, forgiven. And um, I went through that process, and, and I can say that I'm better for it. How long did it take you to write the book? It actually did not take me a long time. I'd say maybe six months. It was really cathartic. Once I got started, I just poured out my soul on the pages, and um, before I before I knew it, I had a book. Wow, that's pretty cool. What are the take? What is the takeaway you want people to get from this fabulous book? Well, I want people to know that, you know, no matter how hard your life is, you're, you're not alone. And when you, you think that you're going through some pretty rough times, you know, you can read someone else's story. Everybody has a story. Sometimes their story might not be as bad as yours was, but the bottom line is that we're all human and we all go through stuff. And so if you can admit to yourself that you're not perfect and that you do have things and and not try to keep those things secret. I think a lot of people go through life thinking, you know, I mean, even with me, when I wrote my book, I thought, you know, gosh, I exposed a lot of things, personal things about myself. And as I've had people come back and who have read the book and they've come to me and they're like, wow, you know, that happened to me. Everything that you talked about I can identify with. It's so relieving to know that, you know, you put yourself out there and you admit that you do have a story and you help others as well because they have like experiences like you or maybe they even had worse experiences. But together, collectively, we help each other to heal because we can identify with one another in in each of our stories. Right, and one of the things they learn is that they're not out there alone, that they're, 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 their story is not the only one there. There's others with other stories, and if, like you say, if they join forces, they can help each other. So I think that is absolutely fabulous for people to remember that you don't have to be alone. Absolutely. Out of the five lessons you had to learn, which was which one was the hardest? Um, I, I would say, I mean... On the surface, I would first um, automatically say forgiveness, but I really don't even think it was forgiveness. I think the hardest one for me was the acceptance piece. It's, it's, it's often hard to, especially when you're raising a blended family, you know, and you have your kids and he has his kids and your kids are so different from his kids. And, you know, we often tend to think, you know, well, you know, mine might be better because, you know, they do this and they don't do that, or theirs might be different because they do this or they don't do that. But all in all, we have to learn to accept each other and what we all bring to the table because everybody's experiences and everybody's opinions and ways of thinking are going to be different. And if you can wrap your arms around accepting of others, it helps you to be able to understand them better and to be able to put up some clear boundaries and be able to get along with others better. And so I think that if I had been able to do that earlier on in my life, I might have not went through such a painful process. And it was like as as much as God tugged on me and said, hey, you know, these people are different, the more I, you know, kept wanting to stay on my own path and and 
eternalize things my own way. And so I had to learn that lesson a little longer. It took me a little longer. I had to stay in that lesson for a few years before I finally got uh, the answer. Oh, that's good. Are you working on any other projects? Next book is really different from um, the type of books that I want to write, and I did want to write this book um, in particular because my um, current husband just is an avid motorcycle rider. He loves to ride motorcycles, and, you know, he just immerses himself in that culture. And so I decided to write a book about him and his alter ego and all the experiences that he's had as a as a motorcycle rider. And I figured I might as well write about it because it's something that I know about. And so I decided Whoa. to write this book. And it's going to be a very interesting book. It's called um, Put Up or Get Shut Down. It's, it's an urban um, book about the underground motorcycle life. And then my next book, which I plan on actually having out this year as well, is called Symmetry of the Confident Woman, and it's just kind of going back to my more inspirational style. And in that book, um, I try to teach women how to have balance in their life. And there's actually at each at the end of each chapter, there'll be like an exercise, kind of like a workbook type of activities that you can do. You'll be drawing on some of my experiences as far as being able to get symmetry and balance in the life and being able to find that for yourself. Yeah, I think that's very, very hard for women to find balance. I mean, we just, we're so, we just want to do so much, and and then all of a sudden we say, well, what happened? But, you know, learning that, I think that book is going to be fabulous. When do you plan to have that out? Well, um, I'd like to say towards the end of this year. Well, you keep me advised, and so when you get it out, let me know so I can let everybody know. Um, what advice can you give to married couples going through a difficult time? Oh, absolutely. Well, I would say, you know, I've been married the greater part of my life. My first marriage, I was married for about eight years, and this second marriage, I've been married for 20 years. So just the greater part of my life, I've been a married person. And I think that for couples, like in my first marriage, we like I said, we were so young. My husband ended up being murdered, and, you know, most of that was just, most of the mistakes that we made in that marriage were just, just from being young. And in my second marriage, I think the biggest key that I've learned is that you definitely have to have communication. That communication piece is, is so big because when couples don't communicate and you start making your own assumptions about things and then that person's looking at your behavior and then they're making their own assumptions about what they think that you're thinking and then you're making assumptions about what you think that they're thinking and at the end of the day at the end of the day those thoughts of what we think the other person are having are are so very different and when we sit down and are we are able to communicate what we are thinking, and we can do it in an honest manner. And I think that that's another thing. A lot of couples are not honest with each other. Honesty and communication has to be the um, bottom line of any um, marital relationship because when those two pieces are missing, uh, your marriage can't survive. And so, um, you know, me and my husband, we have enjoyed a, a pretty good marriage, but we've had a few rocky roads in our in our marriage a lot of the time it dealt with communication because you know we just didn't want to be honest 
with each other as far as, you know, how to raise children, how to deal with, you know, his ex-spouse and, and a lot of things like that. And sometimes we, you can use other people to kind of take the focus off of what the two of you need to be communicating about. You know, it's somebody else's fault. It's the kids. It's this. It's that. But at the end of the day, it's really the two of you aligning your thoughts together and becoming a unit and becoming one and, you know, being able to to work together for the good of your family and for the good of your marriage. Do you think everyone is dysfunctional? I do, Robbie, I absolutely do. I think we all have dysfunction in our lives. And I think that the biggest problem is that a lot of us don't want to admit that to ourselves. You know, we might think that when you say dysfunction, you think, well, I'm not dysfunctional. But it might be something as small as just being maybe someone who's not truthful. Maybe it could be somebody who um, maybe has a gambling habit or a drinking habit. Um, maybe someone who, you know, maybe addicted to porn, addicted. I mean, there's so many uh, different addictions out there, and I think that we all have something. And like I said earlier, I think sometimes some of the propensities that we have come from our parents, and we don't realize that we often turn into them over again if we're not careful, if we don't understand, you know, you know, maybe your mother may have been an alcoholic and then, you know, you become one. And you can't, some, sometimes people can't connect those dots. You know, they don't, they don't see that, you know, it's something that may be, you know, passed down in their family and they, they, they don't see that. And so you have to be able to break that cycle, and, and a lot of times we're unable to do that, and so that those things just keep reoccurring and reoccurring. But yes, I do believe that everybody is dysfunctional, and if you can find out what it what your dysfunctional thing is and address that and be honest with yourself and work on that, you're better for it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say sometimes, "Oh my God, I'm getting like my mother." or something like that. What What are some of the things people can do to break free from dysfunction? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just being honest with yourself, just taking an inventory of some of the things that that uh, you need to work on, you know, and just being honest about those things. And, and a lot of times we're not able to find closure with those things all by ourselves. You may need professional help. You may need to see a therapist or you may need to read a few a few good books or, you know, confide in a friend. But I think the best way to break free from being dysfunctional is to admit it and to seek help, you know, and to be honest and to be able to tell somebody about it and not feel embarrassed about it. And not blame other people as well to face up to what may be your problem and face it and try, you know, get help to change it. Exactly. How important is it for people to have a spiritual covering? That right there is is key. I think that we all have to have some spiritual covering in our life because it is is once you align yourself in a spiritual manner and you're able to have a go-to place as far as being able to be restored, to restore your spirit, um, to find wisdom, and to to just to get through the day is very important. And I know that that works good for me. I know that um, a lot of times, even if I'm not going to church on a regular basis, if I'm able to 
listen to any type of gospel music, uh, Christian music, that helps me to um, get back in line pretty quick. I mean, I'm able to listen to to music like that and and be able to be restored rel- relatively quickly, and that's something that works for me. Or it could even be meditation or or anything like that. But you just have to find your spiritual place and what works for you. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to be a, a, a spiritual fanatic, you know, where you're judging others or, you know, you feel like you have to stay in church 24 hours a day just to get through life. I mean, that that's not necessary. But you do have to find some balance, and, and being a spiritual person is um, going to help you to, to, to make it through life. Uh, where can people find your book? Uh, addicted to dysfunction, released to live life out loud. My book is actually available in a couple of places online. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can also get it on Booksamillion.com, Barnes and Nobles, and it's also available on my website, which is www. Beloved Daffodil, www.BelovedDaffodilsInspirations.com. I love that. How did you, I love daffodils, but how did you come up with that title, Beloved Daffodils Inspiration? I really love that. Thank you. And there is a very spiritual connection that goes along with um, with my um, title for my um, publishing company. How I came about that is when I was writing my book, there were times when God gave me um, some insight a few times. You know, it was just, you know, very vivid things that he he gave me. And one of them was one day I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I saw a field of yellow daffodils. And I didn't even know what a daffodil looked like at that particular time. I just seen all these beautiful yellow flowers. And um, in my spirit, I heard the word daffodil. And I went to go look up and see what daffodil meant, you know, the flower daffodil, what was the actual meaning. And um, it was so neat because daffodils means um, rebirthing and it means, you know, like to be restored and those were some of the things that were tied to my book and what my book was going to do. It was going to restore, rebirth me, and, you know, that was that was something that God gave me. And um, beloved is just a, a, a biblical term as well, so I put those together, um, beloved, daffodils, and then inspirations because I want to inspire others. Wow, I love it. So give them the, your website again. And if somebody wanted to email you, would you give them your email? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my website, again, is www.beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, daffodils, D-A-F-F-O-D-I-L-S, inspirations.com, and that's all lowercase. And my email address is Benita, B-E-N-I-T-A, Salty, S-A-L-T-Y, at AOL.com. Wow. Uh, This has been really great, Benita, and I'm so glad to get to know a little bit more about you. I love it when we have emails going back and forth, and I just love the idea of your book, and I know that your upcoming other books are going to be out there to help more and more people, and it's wonderful 
because I can see that you are totally a woman of heart, and I love women like that because it isn't about them. It's about what they can do for others. So, again, thank you so much for being on my show today. And as you know, once the show goes off live, it is archived, so people can go back and forth and listen to it whenever. Uh, last week we had about 1,800 people tune into the show. Most of them, you know, went in on their own time to listen to it. So, And it stays up there forever, so people can go, and each time they listen to it, they're going to get another message of what you were saying, which was all great stuff. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you allowing me to be on the show, and it was my pleasure. Okay, well, we're getting down to the end. Again, we had Benita Tyler, CEO of Beloved Daffodils Inspiration. Her website is www.belovedaffodilsinspirations.com. Her email is bonitasalty, S-A-L-T-Y, at AOL.com. And this is Robbie Motter, the host the host of Diva Strategies for Success. This week we did the show on Friday because something happened. We couldn't do it on Thursday. Next week we'll be back on Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and my guest will be Sally Marks, and the topic will be race negativity. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you again, Benita, and you and I will stay in touch. Bye now. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye.